Welcome, friends, to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Today on the show, we have an awesome guest. Dr. Patrick Oliver serves as the director of the criminal justice program at Cedarville. He was recently appointed as the lead consultant to Ohio's newly formed Office of Law Enforcement Recruitment by Governor DeWine. In this role, he will help shape the way that law enforcement leaders throughout the state select officers. This is an insightful conversation about the importance of policing and the need for redemption in the heart of man. Enjoy this week's conversation with your host, Mark Weinstein. Welcome back to another week of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, your host, and joining me on the podcast today is Dr. Patrick Oliver. He is the director of the criminal justice program at Cedarville University. He has served in law enforcement for 27 years. He was the chief of police in Fairborn, Grandview Heights, and Cleveland, Ohio, which is his hometown. He also served as a ranger chief of the Cleveland Metropolitan Parks and spent 11 years as a trooper with the Ohio State Highway Patrol. In addition to his role on the faculty at Cedarville, Dr. Oliver is a consultant and trainer for the International Association of Chiefs of Police and the Ohio Association of Chiefs of Police. He is the founder of a mentoring process to develop chiefs of police through the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, also known as NOBLE. And actually, just this week, as we are recording, he was appointed by Governor Mike DeWine as the lead consultant for the Office of Law Enforcement Recruitment. Most importantly, he's a follower of Jesus, and he's my friend, and I want to welcome Patrick Oliver to the podcast. Welcome, Patrick. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate you having me. Oh, it's always good to be with you. Uh, we've had a lot of good times in at least our 10 years together at Cedarville. I think today's podcast will be enlightening to our listeners. But t- today's topic is going to take on a different tone from the lighthearted conversations I've had in recent weeks with the Michigan school teacher Heidi Bruder, or earlier podcast with Rod Jacob or Mark Caleb Smith. Today, I want to hear about Patrick Oliver's career in law enforcement and how his faith in Jesus has led him through various roles throughout Ohio. But I also want to hear his thoughts on the current unrest in our country that stems from the tragic incident with George Floyd in Minneapolis, but in reality has been a part of our American fabric for decades. So as that is a backdrop, let's talk to Patrick. I'm interested in learning, just for background purposes, how did you get into law enforcement? It seems like this has been part of your DNA since uh, childhood. Is that true? That is correct. My dad was a law enforcement officer, a police officer with the city of Cleveland. Uh, That's all I ever knew him to do uh, as I was growing up and becoming an adult. He had a tremendous love for policing. I don't ever remember him missing a day of work. He had many stories to tell about his policing experiences. He actually never encouraged me or my brothers to pursue policing as a profession. And uh, I think that his love for policing had a subliminal effect upon me. I went to college at the University of Cincinnati I majored in criminal justice, and while there, I was recruited by the Ohio State Highway Patrol. Law enforcement is what I was born to do. I truly believe that. I enjoyed the career 27 and a half years, had the opportunity, as you've already cited, to work in a number of different law enforcement agencies, and 
It certainly has been a labor of love. And now you get to teach future law enforcement uh, officials. We'll get into that later in the podcast, but I'm interested in knowing what was it like for you to serve in your hometown as what, Ranger uh, Chief of the Cleveland Metro Parks and then also Cleveland PD. What was it like to be in your hometown in those important roles? My dad had a positive reputation with a lot of people in law enforcement in the area and in the community. So it made it easier for me. I knew several of the police officers and some of the government officials in town. When you work in your own hometown and serve in a public service like that, it really makes it personal. Personal because you have a stake in the quality of the public service that you're providing Mm -hmm. and you care about the community. You also have support for people who know your family, who knew my dad. That was an advantage. You're also familiar with the area and what it has to offer, what the challenges are for the community. So I was a beneficiary of what some would call the slingshot effect. Mm. The slingshot effect is when you follow one of your parents into their career field. And what really happens is, is you get a lot of the benefit, their knowledge, their experience, and then you add to it. And for most second generation professionals, they do better than their parent did. And that certainly was the case for me. I think my dad had a great career, but I had the advantage of standing upon his shoulders. That's great to hear. It's great to hear you give tribute to your dad because that's where, where it all started, humanly speaking, with your earthly dad. So I, I don't know the answer to this question, but was your dad living when you were the chief of police in, in Cleveland? Yes, he was. And uh, in fact, uh, if you look in my office, there's a picture mm-hmm. uh, on a frame uh, the day I was sworn in as Cleveland's police chief. And I have my hand on the shoulder of my dad, who's sitting in a chair next to my mom. Oh, wow. And with the brothers. And that uh, probably was one of the proudest moments of his life to watch your son become chief of the agency where you served and retired. Right. Now, fortunately for me, my dad was retired when I became the chief. Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, he, was, uh, he was very happy and pleased about that. That was really special. It, it has to be a great honor for you, I would think, as well as your dad, for him to see you rise to the level of chief of police. Thanks for sharing that. I'm interested for the duration of your 27-year career, if you had any similar challenges uh, in your roles as what we're facing in our country today. No, not to that degree. Probably the biggest incident that I had during my time as chief of police was when the KKK or Ku Klux Klan came to town and our preparation for that event. We had a couple of months notice and we had to prepare for it. And when they came there and they protested, we had counter protesters. And so there was a lot of work that went into that. That whole event ended relatively problem free. So, but the general challenges in policing when I was the chief and the challenges today are fundamentally the same. Then doesn't that, that just gets back to the, the heart of the matter, which is the heart of man. Isn't that a fair statement? Yes. Man's nature is inherently sinful. Jeremiah 17, yeah. 9 says 
that the heart of man is deceitfully wicked and beyond cure, who can know it? So as I like to say, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Every individual needs a heart transplant. Right. One of us needs to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yep. That is the answer to the world's problems. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And I think it's fair to say that the difficulty we're facing right now in our culture, in our country, even the world, is far greater than ever before just because of what you said. So I appreciate you bringing scripture into this conversation. I'm going back to the time with you know your dad and you're the chief in Cleveland. Once you got to that rank and now you're on the job, did that put any extra pressure on you or undue pressure because you knew people knew your dad or did that not phase you at all? No, that really didn't. I didn't see it as pressure. I saw it as a benefit. In fact, uh, some people accepted me, welcomed me, helped me because of my dad. So it was an asset and certainly was not a liability. And as in his career as a police officer, was he primarily a patrolman or what was his rank and what did he do? He was a police officer with various assignments. And then he became a detective and he went to the homicide division. He loved working traffic and he was in the traffic unit. He absolutely loved it. The police chief at the time, who was his classmate in the basic academy, asked him to go to homicide. Mm. And he didn't want to go. Yeah. Now, homicide is the most prestigious investigator or specialized unit in the Cleveland Police Department. And he actually didn't want to go. But he was an excellent traffic investigator. And because of his traffic investigation skills, the chief said, you know, Jim, got to have you in homicide. Yeah. So he went to homicide. And he spent his last 10 years in homicide. Unfortunately. It was during the 1970s mm-hmm. where Cleveland was the top homicide city in the United States. And so he worked a lot of time during that period. I'm curious, what are some similar characteristics that people see in you that were in your dad? No, that's a good question. I'm probably focused like he was focused. My dad was the neatest person I ever met, former Navy, but he was a very neat person. I've never seen anyone as neat as him. I think I picked up some of those traits, probably have a little bit of his personality, maybe being strong-willed about certain things. So those are probably the key ones. How difficult was it for you after 27 and a half years in law enforcement to put that aside and join the faculty at Cedarville University? It was a little bit of a challenge, but it wasn't much because I believe that the Lord was calling me to Cedarville University. And if you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ, he is both your savior and Lord, you call when he comes. Mm -hmm. Now, I shocked many of my colleagues and close friends. I remember one good friend of mine who happened to be the commander of the Ohio State High Patrol Academy, and I told him that I was retiring, and it took me 35 minutes in his office convincing that I was serious. He said, you're joking. You're not leaving. A lot of my friends said, you know, you still got at least a couple more police chief jobs you could take on. You're still young. You're still vibrant. You're still energetic. You still are, you know, good at the profession. I like to think, and I would say this humbly, that I left at the top, that people didn't see any rust on me. Right. And so I liked leaving that way. Well, that's always the the best time to leave is when you're on the proverbial top instead of 
trying to prove yourself to other people. I mean, you want to leave a profession or a job when you have found success and the people have confidence in you. That's really the best time to leave. Yeah, to expound on that a little bit, it was really according to my plan. I wanted to leave young enough to have 20 plus years in a second career and still be vibrant, able to learn and to make a difference in a second career and not to be so old that it's more of a retirement job yeah. than a job of making a difference. Yeah. But the bottom line is I was responding to God's call to come to Cedarville University. Yeah. So how have you been able to use your professional law enforcement experience in the classroom? How does that benefit your students? Well, having been a police chief, I tend to have a management focus and focus on leading. And so the Lord gave me a vision the summer before I started here to start a forensic science program for Cedarville University. I spent quite a bit of time the first year here working on that program with uh, one of the professors over in science and math and come to find out that all the courses we needed to have a 132-hour academic program, all the courses were already being taught except for two, and the one professor who I was working with could teach those other two. So we put that program together, and I, I consider it to be one of my most significant accomplishments uh, in partnership, of course, with the others at the university to start our forensic science program. I understood the importance of internships as a police chief, hiring somebody not only with an academic background that just graduated from college, but that had some field experience and understands the field and the job uh, before they apply for it. We were able to develop a mission, vision, and a set of core values of the criminal justice program. It might be one of the few, maybe the only academic program that has those foundational statements or organizational statements. The curriculum was changed to reflect the Academy of Criminal Justice Sciences overview. We're trying to develop mm -hmm. a generalist in criminal justice and not a specialist. So we want people to be well-rounded in law enforcement, the court system, and corrections, mm -hmm. so that they're prepared to go in one of those three areas of concentration as an entry-level practitioner. And having been a practitioner in the field, I think I have a good understanding of what it takes to succeed in the field of criminal justice. So I really try to focus on helping students prepare. And one of the changes we made, one of the courses I'm most passionate about teaching is career planning. Now it's called career options, where we help students get a vision for where it is they're going after college and understand their skill set, personality, interests, and values, and how to prepare for the entry-level job. Another thing that uh, I kind of saw in my management mindset was the importance of having a criminal justice society, Alpha Delta Nu. So mm -hmm. that was created after I arrived. Because of being from the field and still being involved with the field of practitioners, uh, I bring a network of uh, speakers into the classroom and to our criminal justice society to meet and speak to students. I'm very involved with career services and helping to bring recruiters to Cedarville University for the two career fairs that are hosted a year. Started the criminal justice camp to recruit prospective students. I've hosted some conferences at Cedarville University for criminal justice professionals. And I help students with job placement. As you talk about helping with job placement, 
Where are some of your students today uh, working in the field of criminal justice or law enforcement? Yes, uh, we've got students in local law enforcement. We have students in state law enforcement. We have students that have gone to law school. We have students in juvenile justice. We have the highest percentage of students going into the military, going through the ROTC program. We don't have the most students. We have the highest percentage of any academic program at Cedarville University. Uh, we have students serving as probation parole officers in the court system. So we have a number of students throughout the field of criminal justice. We have students working as forensic scientists. We have students who are intelligence analysts. So they're spread across the criminal justice spectrum. That's good. So I'm curious, as you think back to your 27-year career in law enforcement, how long have you been at Cedarville? It'd be 15 years coming up this fall. Okay, so there's a little bit of difference in tenure and length, but as you compare your experiences in both professions, do you experience similar satisfaction as a college teacher and instructor as you did as a law enforcement leader? A satisfaction in different ways. When you're in the field as a practitioner, particularly as a manager and as a chief, you're impacting people's career, you're coaching them, mm -hmm. you're mentoring them, you're hiring them, you're promoting them, you're assigning right. them. So there's a number of people in the field who are operating currently that have operated in the past that I had significant impact upon. So you get satisfaction that way. Yep. At the university, you're developing or helping develop young minds and you're coaching them and you're mentoring them and you're giving them a vision of what they can do and what they might be and helping to understand that uh, God has a plan for their life and you're watching them reach their entry-level career goals, so that's exciting. And as important as that, probably more important than that, you're seeing them develop as a Christian. Yeah, that's a good observation. Patrick, I have time for two more questions. One is the criminal justice profession, at least by today's standards, has to be one of the most difficult professions to work. How were you able to weave your faith in Jesus in your work and now that you're at Cedarville, how does your faith guide your classroom lectures and interaction with students? If you work in the field of criminal justice, and I'll supply it specifically to law enforcement, your faith in Jesus Christ is critical. It's a job, really, that should drop you to your knees because you see the worst of our society. You'll go in some homes that are so filthy, you would ask the question, how could anybody even live here? Wow. You'll see marriage relationships where there's mental abuse, physical abuse that is so bad, that's just awful. Uh. You see people at a very young age go on a criminal path and they're just wrecking their life. So you see a lot of different problems. And when you come home at night, it should drop you to your knees and give thanks to God and make mm. it very important to you to want to live a godly life and want to raise a godly family. So yeah. it's very impactful. It is certainly one of the more challenging jobs there is in our society. No question. And I've learned a lot from my 10 years of working with you in the law enforcement world. So I want to thank you for teaching me. My last question for this podcast is something I ask everyone who joins me on the program. And that is, what is the Lord teaching you right now? One of the key things the Lord is teaching me right now is to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit 
to understand what the spirit is telling me and to respond immediately without question. I believe that if you are close to Christ, he left and left us with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit allows you, helps you to live the Christian life, but you have to be open to the spirit. And so that's one of the things that I am trying to do is listen to the spirit because I want to be guided by the Lord and how I think, what I say, and what I do. Patrick, I want to thank you for spending this time with me today and our listeners. It's great to hear your story of law enforcement and how the Lord is using you now at Cedarville University, but has used you throughout the state of Ohio in law enforcement. Because there's still more to talk about with you concerning the current unrest in our country that stems from Minneapolis to Atlanta and all over the country. If you enjoyed this week's podcast with Patrick Oliver, come back next week because we're going to dive into more detailed information about what's going on in our country from Dr. Patrick Oliver's perspective. We'll also talk about his new role as the lead consultant for the Office of Law Enforcement Recruitment for the state of Ohio. Patrick, thanks for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory. Mm-hmm.